I'm Ryan, if we've never met. I thought I'd be a, a little bit stronger um, the second time now that I've uh, had the opportunity to speak after being on staff for 10 years, but uh, I'm, I'm just always overwhelmed at how awesome this church is. It's an amazing church, and I love it dearly, and that's not just because, because of my new role. I go to different churches all the time. Okay, maybe it is, <laughs> but I love this church, and I'm so grateful for it. I just want to say thank you to Hannah and the worship team. Just, it's so, so good. And I'm really excited about this morning. Uh, as I said, I I've, was on staff uh, as one of the pastors here for 10 years, and now I've gotten a promotion. So uh, you'll see me on the words back there. I, my first ever words uh, morning was... Christmas Day, Greg Forrest gave me a C minus. So I'm hoping to get better at that. So you'll see me back there. Nobody's better than Amelia. Let's give it up for Amelia. She's awesome. But um, I'm hoping for a shot at the title. So I've had an amazing holiday break. And I don't just say that because I don't pastor anymore. It's been awesome. Uh, but we've had just like I had 12 days off in a row and like I went back to work and everybody at Compassion kind of takes January off. And so I was just kind of sitting there twiddling my thumbs when I came back to work. Nobody was in the office and it was, it was just really strange. And so like those first couple of days were really challenging to get back into the, the swing of things after having just a, a beautiful break. But what I've been doing is I've been thinking really intentionally about the new year, right, and the things that are coming up. And, you know, Mike spoke a couple weeks ago. It was so good on goals. And for me, that one of my goals this year is to be a better planner, right? Like I, everything's always so last minute with Ellie and I. We're, we're kind of fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants kind of folks. And this year we want to be better planners. But, but I'm a terrible planner. My brain, I think it works like one of those sushi trains, right, that, that brings everything back around to you. It's usually, right, the, the one with the salmon row on top that nobody wants to eat, right? And I think it'll, it'll come back around, and, and I will pick it up when it comes back around. But the truth is, is my brain's more like a straight conveyor belt, and if I don't grab it as it goes by... It just falls onto the ground with all the other things that I don't want to do or take care of in the moment. Or if it does come back around, it's immediately after I've double booked something. I'm a terrible planner. My memory is not awesome. And I want to get better at that. But this year, I'm believing that it will be different. This year, new year, new me, right? It's going to be different. It's going to be better than last year. I'm going to name it and I'm going to claim it, right? This year, I'm going to eat better. This year, I'm going to exercise more. This year, I'm going to be more present with my family. My mouth won't get the best of me, and on and on it goes. As if we can buy the right journal or pray the right prayer, and suddenly, I'll be a better dad, a better husband, a better planner, a better follower of Jesus, all while looking like Brad Pitt. Can I get an amen? <laughs> At least that's kind of how it goes for me, right? Like, I, I, I feel a, a bit like I'm doing some processing here with you guys this morning. So just bear with me in that. Um, over the holidays, I don't know if this is a family thing that you guys do, but 
We went and saw how many, we went and saw the new movie Avatar. Anybody see the new movie Avatar? Right? We don't have a lot of fans of the, the tall blue people in here, it looks like. But you know, that movie's made $1.9 billion worldwide over the last whatever month, which is crazy, right? It, it's three and a half hours that I'm never getting back. <laughs> right? I'm just, I, I just can't muster up any warm feelings for the planet of Pandora. But, you know, I was thinking about the guy that directed it, James Cameron. It took him 14 years to make this movie. You know, he has three of the top six movies of all time. Three of them. Two of them are about blue people on a planet. But, but maybe you've heard of the, the third one. It's a movie about a boat, Titanic. Right? Have you guys, have you guys heard of that movie? Do you know between those three movies, over $8 billion has been come in for movies, U.S. dollars. So that's quite a lot of Australian dollars. But this, this movie, Titanic, is, you know, it's, it's an amazing movie. And I was thinking about it kind of in context of planning for the year. I was thinking I'd gone to see this other movie, and I was thinking about James Cameron. And it, it reminded me of Titanic. And then I thought, oh, man, poor Jack Dawson, right, the guy in the movie. There was just no room for him on the door with Rose. There's just no room for him on that door. He had to die, and it's just really unfortunate. Again, another three and a half hours that I'm not getting back. <laughs> and it was in 1997, so like I'm, I'm maybe just a little bitter. <laughs> but like, it's interesting, right? Like, how, how do you get, how do you get, like get $2 billion worth of, of dollars of people going to see a movie that they know how it ends, right? The boat sinks. Spoiler alert. I just, I just don't understand it. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting, but as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a powerful truth, and this is, what I'm, this is where I'm getting, right? I know I'm rambling around. Mike, Mike said I could have an hour. <laughs> new year, new me. Titanic, as I was thinking about the new year, I was talking with a friend right, about life, about leadership, about planning the year ahead, and, and, and we were talking about James Cameron, and, and this is kind of the story of the Titanic, right, is, is it's what's beneath the water that sinks the ship, right? It's what's beneath the water. It's the things we can't see, right? We see that, that little bit that's above the water, and we're not really worried about it, but it's what's beneath the water that will sink the ship. The Titanic received five iceberg warnings. The last warning received a response famously, shut up, I'm busy. We often receive similar warnings or insights from teachers, from colleagues, from friends, from family, yet we state we're too busy to heed those warnings. And I want to ask us this morning, what about the, the warnings that the Spirit of God is speaking to us as we look forward into this new year where he whispers to us, maybe he even shouts to us through circumstances or his word, what is he saying to us that's beneath the surface that's going to trip us up? For me, the new year has become this time where I want to make intentional and specific time to review the past year to look forward to the future, listening for the voice of God as it invites me, as, as he invites us into his kingdom and his purposes. Right, the, the, the author of a book called Habitudes, Tim Elmore, he writes, the iceberg teaches me I must lead myself 
before I try and lead anybody else? What does it look like for us, for, for me, for us, to lead ourselves well this year? To show up, to develop our character with self-discipline, with emotional security, with values and ethics, and a Jesus sense of identity, right? Like, this is, these are the things that Jesus purchased on the cross, is salvation, right? The faithfulness of Jesus to this day, it, it, it doesn't do away with that sense of identity that he purchased for us in him. And today, when I think about this question, how am I going to lead myself? What, what are the things that, that, that I want to lead well in this year? I think about the Apostle Paul. I love the Apostle Paul. He's a man of strong convictions. He's a bit argumentative. Uh, he's got deep character and integrity, though. And by God's grace, he learned to lead himself well before he led others. And his life and his writings bear the marks of that. And so today I want to look quickly at the end of Galatians. We'll do a little bit of an overview of Galatians to get some context. But where I want to land is Galatians 6, 11 through 18. And it's the end of the book. And this will be on the screen behind you as I read it. Starting in verse 11. He says, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Let me emphasize how important these next words are. I'm going to write them myself is what he's saying. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Again, this, this book of Galatians is about the law. It's about going back to the, the outward religious kind of motivations for what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so the Galatians started out super well. They started out believing the message of freedom and grace and this life that Jesus invites them to. And then some people came in and sold them a bill of goods about what you do on the outside is the most important thing. He says the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. And this is what he says in verse 17, which I think is so amazing. He says, from now on, let no one trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. He's saying, I don't want to deal with this argument or this fight anymore. This, this fight means nothing to me anymore because I want you to see that my life exemplifies the life of, of what it means to follow Jesus. He says, I bear on my body the marks of of Jesus. And we know from the New Testament scriptures what he's talking about. He's been beaten many times. He's been jailed many times. He's been shipwrecked many times. And he ends up giving his life for the ministry of telling others about this new life of freedom and grace that Jesus has purchased for us. And, and for, for, for no time at all do I want to project onto my life the same kind of persecution and suffering. It's not what I'm talking about today, but I do want to talk about what the marks of a Christian are. 
What does it mean to be marked with the life of Christ? And this is kind of the, the, the breakdown of Galatians, just really quickly. Galatians is this book that kind of takes us on a journey of, of where a group of people started, what happened, and, and how Paul is trying to get them back to the true message of, of what life in Christ really is. He talks about what is central. The gospel is what is central. The law is no longer the central motivating force in the Christian's life. It's the, the, it's the life of Christ. And, and we trust in Christ, not the law. And again, this is that argument of circumcision and uncircumcision. And we don't really have that kind of same argument today, but we can fall victim to this sacred and secular kind of thinking. And, and this is what Christians do, and this is what Christians don't do. And Paul's bringing us back to trusting in Christ Who's in Christ's true family? There's some amazing verses in there. And then we get to chapter 5, and it's about the life of freedom. And in chapter 6, I don't want to boast about anything but the cross of Christ. And I think one of the key verses in this book is Galatians 5.6. This is what it says. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I love how Eugene Peterson renders it in the message. He says, I suspect that you would never intend this, but here's what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you're cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. And meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. He says something far more interior. It reminds me of, of that thing that I said earlier, right? It's what's beneath the surface that sinks the ship. It's something far more interior. It's what's on the inside that leads to what's on the outside. And Paul exemplified this in the way he lived his life, the way that he felt that God was inviting him to live and to speak. I don't always get this right. I know it's a shock to you guys. But I, I want to be honest about my own journeys. right? The way in which I see and hear and experience and process this life of what it means to be like Jesus. Because I, I don't always get it right. I, I, I did more when I was a pastor, but now that I'm not a pastor, it's a lot harder for me. So I'm hoping Michael pray for me later. Oh, like, I, I, I want to I start this story with a little disclaimer. right? Because every great story starts with a disclaimer, right? I, I like tattoos. Tattoos are cool. And um, if, if you disagree with tattoos, then, you know, that's a, a conversation, maybe even a robust dialogue for another time. But I, I like them. Like, I, I don't have a problem with them, right? I, I don't have anything against them. If you have one or a hundred, that's amazing. And you know what? There, there's people who would disagree with me on this. Again, that's not the issue today. My son Aiden has a tattoo. It's a cool tattoo. Let's check it out. 
right? It's a, a big panther, right? I, at least I think that's what it is. Um, I got, I, he got it when I was with him in the States uh, back in, in uh, September. And like, it's, it's amazing. It's cool. It's awesome. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, it. It was Christmas Day last year, so we're having a FaceTime as a family. A little bit sad that he's not with us, you know, and kind of just talking through, what are you doing? This is what we're doing. And, like, I noticed something. Like, I'm, you know, we're on a phone, but I, I can still see it, right? He's got another tattoo, and that's when I realized, I may like tattoos, but I don't like them on Aiden. <laughs> and, like, it, it, it's, it's one of those things, right? Like, all I have are boys. I have three boys. They're awesome. I'm, I'm never going to walk a girl down the aisle and give her away to some other man who has or maybe does not have tattoos. Um, <laughs> But I equate it to, to, like, fathers of daughters are like, there's never anybody good enough to marry our daughter. And, like, that's probably irrational. I think I have the same irrational kind of idea about there's never a tattoo that's cool enough that should be on Aiden's body forever. <laughs> right? And, like, I, I think that's what it is, is I've just never thought that, oh, I'd really like that tattoo on my body forever. And so, like, the, there, there's probably something there. And, I, I, and so I see this tattoo on him, and boy, did I just blow it, right? Like, I just said some choice things to him, um, and we got off. I'm like, it's Christmas Day. Why did I have to be such a jerk, right? Like, we're missing him, and I, like, looked at my wife, and I'm just like, oh, man, I blew it. I could have used some heads up if anybody knew that he had a second tattoo, Right, and so I, I, I've been, I began processing this right with him, and as I worked through my issues, right, I'm now Aiden didn't do anything wrong, right? It was my reaction to seeing it and the way in which it played out, the things that I said, those were wrong, and I had to apologize for the things that I said to him. Can I just say, let's normalize apologizing to our kids? <laughs> There's. Maybe nothing more powerful as a dad is when I apologize to my boys for missing it. He didn't do anything wrong. He maybe just spent a little bit too much money on a tattoo. <laughs> but like, I, I, I began thinking about Paul and this book of Galatians and where he says, I bear on my body the marks of Christ. And he wrote this, this book to people who were trapped and tricked into believing that faith is mostly outward expressions. And he says, no, it's something far more interior. What comes out of my mouth starts in my heart. And I had to process that. I had to come to a place of, of saying I was sorry to my son. Paul has a message for us today the same way he had for the Galatians. In Christ, it's neither our, our most conscientious religion or disregard of that same religion that amounts to anything. What matters most is something far more interior. And so my question today is at the beginning of this year, I know we're almost finished with January, but have we taken the time to reflect on what the marks of a Christian really are in our life, in my life. 
maybe I need to go to the tattoo artist and get some permanent reminders for myself. But again, Paul would say, it's not these outward reminders, but it's the inner work that Jesus is doing that leads to the true expression of love. As I think about the year ahead and where I hear the voice of God inviting me to follow him, I'm thinking about the simple yet costly things he's already asked me to do. And I guess that's, that's where we can make the connection because I don't think any of us have ever been drugged out before the magistrate and beaten for our faith in Christ. And I don't, I don't want, again, to, in our context, in our culture, we are favored to be able to meet together like this. But there are some costly things that Jesus has asked us to do. And yet I think maybe we've begun to talk ourselves into this place where it's more the outward expression that's important instead of the inward work of the sacrificial way of Jesus. So I've got a, a, a small, this is one of my favorite things to do as a pastor, is start a, a list that's non-exclusive, right? Like to begin a list of these are some of the things that as I look forward to this year, as I look to be a better planner that I think Jesus has invited me into, that as I submit to th this humble Holy Spirit as he teaches and trains, that I will begin to look more like Jesus in the invitation of what his kingdom is really all about. I think the first one is one that we're, we're all familiar with, is to love my enemy. And as I wrote this down, as I thought about it, and I think the, the true thing, the costly thing for me is, is I don't have very many enemies. But what's costly is loving my son when he gets the third tattoo. Will I say the same things I did last time? Will I, will I embrace him even if I disagree with him? What does it look like for me to love in this way that Jesus has modeled for us? The second thing is forgiveness. There's perhaps nothing more supernatural than forgiveness. What does it look like for, for me to forgive those that have hurt me? To not sit in judgment of them when I see them, whether it's driving down the road or in the shops, when I come face to face with someone that I feel has done me wrong? What does it look like to let go of my need to be right and embrace humility? What does it look like for me to, to choose community over aloneness? Many of you know that, that I take great pride in being an introvert, right? But like there's something about community that is drawing us into the life that Christ has called us to. Community is something that throughout all the New Testament is of the utmost importance because we are the body of Christ. No one should stand alone. I don't get to use my personality as a reason for not engaging in community. 
What does it look like to deepen my character in the fruit of the Spirit? You know, I was going through the fruit of the Spirit the other day, and you know what I noticed? Is that toxic masculinity wasn't one of them. (laughs) You know what else wasn't one of them? Was believing that I'm always right. And like, those are two of the things I struggle with the most. It just, it's the only kind of culture that I've known. Right? But the fruit of the Spirit shows us something different. It invites us into a different way of living, a different way of being. And then I think maybe that this one is for us as, as, a, as a, a congregation, right? As a, as a people of God, that we would commit to proximity over absence. That, that we would open our hearts to the wonder and the majesty of the divine creator of our souls. And, and I, I think what I mean about this is that, that proximity is, is one of those things that without proximity, there is no intimacy, Right, proximity is the thing that, that allows me to get to know people. It's the same with God. Proximity allows me to, to delve into this intimacy with Christ. What does that look like for you? Have you ever even thought about it? Or, or is it just, again, an outward expression of what we've always done and how we've always done it, and this is how I'm intimate with God as I come to church or I go to Bible study or I read my Bible? Those are all great things. But have we actually sat down and thought, am I growing in intimacy with Christ because of my proximity to him? Maybe it's time to go for a walk on the beach by yourself. Maybe it's time to pick up the Bible again and read through and pray the Psalms. Right? I don't know what it is for you, but I, I know what Christ is inviting me into. It is this proximity with him where I can worship him, where I'm open and curious to the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of Christ. Because like we sang earlier, he is faithful and his goodness is pursuing us. Maybe it's time to open up our list of what it looks like to be in proximity with Christ. Maybe we've added a lot of things to it, and maybe it's simpler than we imagine. I love, and this is my, my dad's name is Micah, right? And it's, it's his life verse, and I, I heard it all growing up, and it continues to be a foundational verse for me and our family as we journey together into his kingdom, into the kingdom of God, of what it looks like to be and live with these marks of what it truly means to be a Christian. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? It's pretty simple. To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Paul's reminder for, for me, for us, I think today is don't get caught up in the rituals. Don't get caught up in the outward expressions and the arguments that serve no purpose. Instead, focus on what truly matters. The more interior work that God is uh, doing in you that leads to these true marks of what it means to follow Jesus. And as we come together to worship today, may we experience the goodness of God that is chasing us, that is following us, that is inviting us into that. And may we also experience the faithfulness of Jesus. May we enter into a season where we truly bear the marks 
of Christ. Amen.